fear is the biggest killer. And I think you have a real understanding as to why you're doing it and not just why for yourself, like what drives you, but also why would the client want to hear from you? What's important information that you can give to them to make their experience a bit better? You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Sam from Elite Agent. Today on the podcast, we've got two of the agents agency's most long-term and successful agents. There you go. The label's correct. They've actually been on our cover about six years ago and I can't wait to catch up and have a chat with Jared Carmen. Welcome, Jared. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, and Joel Hood, welcome. Thanks, Sam. Time flies, hey? Can't believe six years. I know. Well, here it is. Here's the covering question, collective success. Back in February 2017, it was a very, very hot day at some art gallery, as I remember, like I drove down to Frankston to do that cover shoot. Frankston Art Studio, and we... Yes, we were putting all sorts of positions to try and get the right photo and then that was just us chilling out at the front. Well, <laughs> I was going to say there are some interesting behind-the-scenes stories of these cover shoots that we do. Look, I have preconceived ideas, like, you know, everyone knows that I probably do. So I was actually, I was driving the car thinking, well, you know, Joel, he's of the Instagram generation. He is going to be easy in front of the camera I'm going to be able to manipulate him anyway, but I really don't know about that Jared Carmen. And I've seen that top agent cover and I just don't know. I oh, think Joel's going to be easy and Jared is going to be tough. So there I am driving along the Frankston Highway and then I get there and then what happens? <laughs> Joel, you're not doing it right. Yeah, Joel's pulling faces at me and Jared is like a pro that's done like catalogue modelling before. Like, you know, unbelievable. That's the unfair part. I was up against the model there. I was just a real estate agent and we had a proper model in the room. So I, I tried. It was so funny. We spent hours trying to be twisted into positions and like Joel's so used to being successful in absolutely everything. It was just funny to get the, Joel, you're not doing it right. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'll stick to real estate, Sam. I think what people don't appreciate about, you know, when you've got one person on the cover, it's pretty easy because you can kind of manipulate them and you've only got to get one person not blinking or, you know, not with it, you know, like Jodie um, Stainton, who's on the most recent cover, she was a bit of a dream to work with because there was one person, a photographer that knew exactly what he was doing. But when you've got two people on the cover, you've got to make sure that both have got eyes open and everything like that. And every shot we took of Jared, Jared's looking Zoolander, perfect. <laughs> which is hilarious because i'm no oil painting so that's funny yeah yeah and then i remember that photo was one i actually took on my ipad we'd sort of fired the photographer because i think in the end of the day like he was making Joel feel a bit uneasy so i think this is my claim to fame as well because i actually took that photo the best and we're just chilling out going oh man i'm not sure how many more photos we can actually take and, and that was the shot <laughs> no that was a great shot thanks sam i've actually got the frame up on the wall it's a memory of the actual day more than anything. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah it was a really good day. And I remember I really enjoyed meeting you guys because I sort of felt like you were Batman and Robin back then. So Who was Robin? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Batman and Batman. 
<laughs> the, the one that I had trouble photographing. <laughs> Guilty. 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 But things have changed a lot for you guys now. So first of all, Joel, you're actually up here in Queensland now. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so my wife and I had planned to return to Queensland at some point and then COVID did speed up the situation as it has for obviously a lot of people. So it was a really big decision to make because for those obviously in the industry, once you get recognition and a good reputation in your marketplace, you build a strong database, it really has become so much easier. So to completely walk away from that and start over as such was probably the, I suppose, the scariest part. But it came from a few reasons and one is my daughter has a health issue and being in a warmer climate was definitely going to assist her. And if it was something that you're going to do at some point, I thought, well, why not pull off the Band-Aid? I was able to hand over my business to a team member and essentially come to Queensland. I took a corporate role for a couple of years and enjoyed a bit of a lifestyle. And great part is Jared and I had an amazing relationship in Victoria. We still do as Queensland directors and training a lot of the team. We run weekly role plays. But um, yeah, even though I'm in a different state, we still see plenty of each other, which is great. Yeah, works well. Yeah. And Jared, what about you? What's changed for you in the last, well, I mean, you know, like we all look older and wiser, let's face yeah. it, but in the last six years, catch us up. Oh, so much has changed. There's been a lot. The whole incarnation. So for us, when COVID hit, it changed everything and we did lose a lot of people to Queensland. It seems like half of Victoria went to Queensland and more than half of my team left. So we went from a team, I think it was 27 down to about 12 very quickly. So Joel went to Queensland. One of the guys who was working with him started another business. So I created a few competitors in here as well. Jared Joseph went to Queensland. So we had quite a few people that left the business and I effectively became a bit more of an EBU office again. So rather than having teams of, I think we had six or seven teams that were all in here and in a sense competing yet working together, that shrunk down. So yeah, just a much smaller business. It's not as crazy as it was. And uh, yeah, we're still kicking goals. I think a lot of agents in the area, when Joel left, sort of rejoiced because he was a force to be reckoned with. And it actually gave me a bit of a chance to get back into the marketplace and <laughs> recognize me too again. <laughs> so, yeah, it made it a bit easier, I guess. He was the number one agent on the whole of the peninsula and was killing it. So, yeah, I think a few agents breathed and celebrated that one, mate. Yeah. And now we're floating along. We do a lot of training with our team within the agency agency and absolutely love it. As Joel mentioned, we're both directors. It's been really fun. It's been a lot of fun working both sides. So yes, still listing and selling and doing that, running my own business, but also coaching and training other people within our own organization. It's, it's really enjoyable. Yeah, it's interesting, your journey. Because I remember, one of the things I do remember about you, Jared, is that you were almost like one of the OG people that started trying to raise awareness of mental health and how real estate can impact that. And I remember distinctly the quote was, I grew so fast, but it was carnage in my personal life. Like I actually remember you saying that. Mm. Yeah. So it's really interesting that, you know, like, so what you're saying now is it actually doesn't have to be that mega sort of business. You can actually have happiness at various levels of it. I simplified my life a lot when COVID happened because I was coaching and training and speaking and running all over the place. And Joey, you'd remember that. And I'd run in the office like a madman and I'd get home to see my family and I wasn't giving them my best. You know, I was so exhausted for trying to put out to everybody else that I wasn't giving my family the best. And COVID was a real lesson in that of stop and smell the roses and really, I guess, allocate what's important in your life. And that was it for me. It was spend more time with the family, run a successful business without the carnage. 
because I'd had enough of that. I was running on empty, really, and that's not healthy. Yeah. I was advising everybody else how to live this perfect life, and the audio wasn't matching the digital. I wasn't really doing it myself. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And, Joel, what about the last couple of years for you? What have they been like? Yeah, it was interesting. So I came up with a mindset of I run hard for seven years and achieved well beyond the goals that I originally set. And we were sort of doing over 100 deals a year and I had an amazing team to work with me, but it was very full on. So I decided moving to Queensland that I'd make sure I set up the family first and settled into school and sport. And I took a corporate role, just bringing on team members into Queensland and sharing with them what I had, pros and cons, and try to help them not make the mistakes that I'd made. And we brought on uh, 20 offices, some big, some small in Queensland in a fairly short space of time and work with them pretty intimately. But through that process, I, I really missed and fell back in love with sales and just working with clients. I had a lot of clients from interstate wanting to move. And I think I saw just maybe an opportunity to bring a little bit of what I'd done in the past to Queensland. But also, it is slightly different here. And I was actually really looking forward to the challenge. And took the, the leap of faith back into sales August 1st and I've really enjoyed it. I'm very, very fortunate that in my 10 years of real estate, I've worked with certain people like Manos and Maria and JC, Jared, in the group. I've now worked behind the scenes in corporate for two years. I've worked intimately with a lot of third-party prop tech and whatnot that's kind of taken over our space and I work with people that have done the basics. So very, very lucky that in a decade, I've got the knowledge and work with the people that I have. So it's given me an amazing foundation and we've just had an unbelievable first five months in real estate. Absolutely unbelievable. For most people, that's a dream run because Joel's put in the work. What I think about Joel, he's a clinician and a technician. Everything he does is just perfect because he studies it, he watches it, he soaks it in. Then doesn't just talk the talk, he actually walks it. And it's been fun to watch that. I knew you wouldn't last long. In a corporate role, mate, I always had this bet with myself that you'd be back on the tools pretty quickly because you're so good at it. Yeah. yeah. No, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think you've got to be passionate, Sam. One thing that I'm not good at is modeling clearly. So I just thought best I'll just focus on the sales. So that's why I got it back into it. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. And I think sometimes literally you can't, you know, you might do other things for a while, but I've seen a lot of people that have come out of real estate sales for a bit of a break and then gone back into it again because the pull of real estate is sometimes just too strong too. It is, and I think it's working with clients. When I left Victoria, I was leaving friends. I was leaving my team who were family. I was leaving clients who weren't, I wasn't prospecting and chasing. I was just having really friendly conversations with them. So it was really, really difficult. And once I get that hunger back and was helping clients in Queensland, either secure property or just giving some general advice, I realized why I enjoyed it so much and very happy to be back into it with a wealth of knowledge from the last couple of years. Yeah, amazing. So I thought there's a bit of a theme going on here, seeing as we're sort of taking, this is a nice weighty magazine, this one too. You know, look at this, Dave's go on the back cover. Seeing as you two are essentially sort of coaches within Agents Agency now, apart from doing the listing and selling, I wanted to take a couple of the cover lines off this magazine and see what your advice would be today. And I know you guys probably haven't looked at the magazine, but I thought, oh, hang on a second. These are actually pretty good questions. They're pretty good articles. So the first one is nine common cold call objections and how to handle them. So we know that, or at least I think we know that there is marketing in real estate and a lot of people will still say that, you know, the person who makes the most calls wins. I'll go with Joel first. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. But I, so Samantha, I started brand new, August 1st, Joel Property and Joel have never existed. I've got 
some friends. I've got no family, literally no connections. So this is really something I hope the viewers can be excited by, whether or not they've got experience or not and trying to take market share. It's amazing how quickly my cold callers that I'm using, personally outsource and obviously doing some myself, have noticed a change from my brand being completely cold to warm. So the one thing I'd say is you're going to get objections in the first round. You must try a second and a third time, but you must do it with layering. So if you're not in the letterbox or direct mail, email marketing, social media, point of boards if you're allowed to do them, a billboard, sponsorship, whatever it is, you will find the cut-through rate, which my last session that I just got yesterday, will be very, very low. And it was exceptionally high. So I just encourage people not to think of it as I'm just going to call. Calling is part of the process of many different layers. You're going to see so much more cut-through if you're doing everything. Yeah, that's great advice. And I guess my other question to do with that, and maybe Jared, you can take this. If it's a brand new person, someone who's just moved into the area, someone that you don't know at all, what sort of a conversation would you have with them in the cold call? Like what would your opening line be? A cold call should be a warm call. So you should be calling them with a purpose. There should be some reason that you're calling them and it can be a sale in the area, whether it's yours or somebody else's. It's to notify them of something or educate them in something else. It's a much easier conversation than just calling and saying, hi, I'm such and such from blah, blah, do you want an appraisal? But getting past that fear, fear is the biggest killer. And I think you have a real understanding as to why you're doing it and not just why for yourself, like what drives you, but also why would the client want to hear from you? What's important information that you can give to them to make their experience a bit better rather than just... Yeah. I've been loving the old, the idea of, um because I've just moved in, well, I've moved twice into two areas, cold, not this year, but time flies when you're having fun. When I first came to Queensland, I moved to Runaway Bay, which is practically South Brisbane. <laughs> Some people might disagree with me. Had no idea where anything was. Now I'm in Broad Beach Waters, which is further south. And again, I'm back in that same predicament of not knowing where anything was. And one of Claudio's big um, things is that he recommends to people to put together a destination guide and use that as a basis for any sort of calling or visiting or door knocking or whatever. What's your favorite thing of value to give to people that you don't know? Is that for me or Joel? Oh, actually, I'm going to go with Joel because he's smiling. (laughs) That's a really good question. To be honest, I think this is a really good opportunity for you to be able to give. I mean, I'm learning this in my marketplace right now. What am I giving to people that I genuinely don't know? I guess I'm giving them everything, to be completely honest. I think I'm giving them basic service. I think I'm giving them smile, energy. I'm offering them, I guess, a conversation in the day to try and enrich their life in some way. I think it can be really simple. I think half the time I get Asians come to me and say, Joel, what's this whiz-bang magic ball that I can give to someone that's going to blow them away? And I kind of think, just why don't you ask them the question of how you could help them in their day? You know, what do they need? What is it that they could see some value in? What challenges are they currently facing? Can you give them a referral or recommendation to a trade? Can you tell them about a great cafe you just started at? Can you give them an up-to-date appraisal which they can use for insurance purposes and whatnot? Just have a mindset of saying, okay, well, when I meet people today, what do they need? How can I help them? God, it's so much easier when you go home at night and you've had that sort of mindset during the day rather than I've got to come up with something whiz-bang that I'm going to really blow their socks off and expect a result and you don't get one, you're kind of disappointed. Yeah, local knowledge and local information is always good to give to people as well. But even on the broader text, if you're thinking about actual specifics of what a new agent could give to people, even things like fridge magnets with your calendar. You know, foot down here, football's mad, everyone loves football, so a football fixture. 
time and around different things, different events, different social events, and that can be localised as well, a local footy fixture or, you know, local information that you can then give to people. Actually, you're right, you know, like we did live near the Runaway Bay Juniors Football Club, but I never knew when they were playing. And I would have gone down there, you know, not because I like football, just because. Social event. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, enough of that one. Next cover line, down in the bottom right-hand corner, time to tame your database. So let me think about how to phrase this question because we've actually seen a real trend change, I think, in databases in real estate over the last sort of five, six years. Like I remember when I first started writing about real estate, bigger was better. The more names you could have in your database, the more information you could have in your database wins. And then, you know, some people came along and said, well, actually, you know, your farm area shouldn't be any more than about 1,100 homes. And now the privacy people have come along and said, well, you know, like if you don't need to store all this information, then it's just a security breach anyway. So I'm going to start with Jared this time, I think. What sort of a database is ideal? Yeah. And what sort of advice would you give on keeping it tidy? A database that you actually use is ideal. A lot of people don't use their database. They might put information in there, but they don't actually utilize it. And there's plenty of intelligence out there, plenty of artificial intelligence, and I could do some name dropping on companies, but I'm not sure about the sponsorship deal. So I like it's important that whatever database you have to have a clean. I know from experience, my database is enormous, but it's not necessarily the best when it is so big because you're not utilizing it as well unless the data is clean. And we've gone to great lengths to make sure it is clean data now and that people are getting emails, they're getting you know the right text messaging, it's clean data. But yeah, I mean, Joel's a perfect example now of having a new database and starting fresh and starting clean. We've changed database over time and that's a nightmare. When you shift over databases, especially when you've got 20 something thousand contacts in there, it is a nightmare. But it's a good opportunity to clean things up as well. There's plenty of yeah. Yeah, plenty of email type companies that will clean up your database as you go, but I would recommend you have to have a clean database, otherwise it's just pointless names and numbers in there. Yeah, Sam, mine was very clean when I left and it wasn't big and I'm a big believer in just having a, a small, tidy database. I think every single Christmas I would do my planning through the break and I'd actually pull all of my potential vendors and I would remove uh, any over 1,500. So I never went past 1,500 potential vendors. I'm not saying I archived the contact, but the follow-up ceased. So I only wanted to work with 1,500 people. And every year, just to give a guide to people listening, it was who were the people that I really connected with, what were the properties I really wanted to sell, and also distances half an hour and beyond. As you become more experienced, you start to remove those ones you don't necessarily want to touch. I just looked at the numbers and went, okay, my marketplace turns over 7% every year, 1,000 contacts, there's 70 listings, you know, 1,500 contacts worked out just over 100. I was getting between 50 and 60 listings every single year from my database, but it was only because I nurtured those 1,500. And once it went past that sort of amount, I just couldn't nurture them anymore. Yeah, I think there is diminishing returns there, isn't it? Because you want to be well known by your farm area, but then the more people you've got to get to know, the harder it is to get to know or to build those relationships where people are going to then call you in on the other side. And I think that's where you've got to look and say, okay, what is your plan for 2023? How many listings do you want? Where are they going to come from? The database is where your real estate career, in my opinion, goes from you know zero to hero or it goes from difficult to very easy because these are people that want to refer you business. They want to do repeat business with you because they've experienced what you were like, whether that was as a buyer or obviously as a seller. And I just think you're insane if you don't 
make the most of it from the beginning because that's the reason why I've left with all the experience that I had in Vic and I've had to start over completely and I'm not doing 100 sales a year because that database and that repeat business doesn't exist. So get there as quickly as you can. Now, I'm a bit of a dinosaur, Sam. So I was one of the originals that had you know complete data back in the day and used it where other people in the office, there were 12 other agents in there. They weren't using a database at all. And my results went through the roof because I could actually contact people and just with a click of a button, send it out to you know, 150 people instead of trying to just call one. Yeah, I mean, look, I still hear people have got, you know, don't even work with databases like, you know, in 2023. But there's really no excuse, even if it was an Excel spreadsheet, there's no excuse not to have a database right now, is there? I think they're crazy only because I can tell you from experience, every single year it gets easier and easier. If you look at the lead sources of where your listings come from in the first year, it's cold calling, door knocking, letterbox dropping. And then the second year, you start to see a bit of database and referral and repeat clients drop in. And then by year three, four, for me personally, the weight of the database was massive. There was no cold calling and, you know, letterbox drop still got a little bit of cut through, but it was a significant change. And that's so much easier than having to pound the pavement every single week. And you usually go in unopposed and you don't have to compete for your fee because these are people you've created trust with. So... Yeah, I just think you're doing yourself a disservice. Real estate becomes really hard if you don't work on the database. Yeah. Okay, so one more. We've got time for one more, and this is bottom right-hand corner, Danny Joel's feet. <laughs> Marketing, why you have to have a plan. So this is actually a really good time because this is where at the beginning of January Jared, how do you plan your marketing for, you know, the coming year? Yeah, we do sit down as a team and go through our calendar and, and beautifully within the agency we have training. We have a PB sessions, which we just had. We had one up in Queensland and one in Melbourne. And we just go through the whole list. So we go through our marketing plan for each month, each week within that month, what people are likely to get. So we have a budget for it, how much we're going to spend on drops and everything like that. And when you do it month to month, you can look over what events are coming up. So you can see the Australian Grand Final coming up. Let's do something around that. Easter's coming up. Let's do something around that. We plot it out for the whole year. So my team sit down. We go through it every week, have a look at what's coming up next. And then our prospecting is around that plan as well. So we've committed to a lot of drops this year. And you have to have a budget for it. And I'm sure Joel's budget for dropping is probably about one hundred and dollars $180,000 for the year. It's a lot of money to spend on material, but it's got to be work out your percentages for what you want to earn, and it's got to work out your percentages for your expense of what you can spend to the result that you intend to get. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a marketer, so I think marketing is an investment. So it's not actually a cost; it's an investment. Absolutely. Now, yes. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What is your target? And factor your target in around that. So are you letterbox dropping, but are you doing social media around the same thing? Are you working in campaign? Are you just scattergun? If you pull it in and you sit down and you organize your year, or at least the first six months, then it's easy. You don't have to think. It's just done for you. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing, Sam, is a lot of people, unfortunately, go out with an idea of what they're going to do, but they don't actually plan for the year and understand, how am I actually going to get all these drops out? Who is going to post this social media ad? Who's going to you know, organize that email marketing? Who's going to do the design work? You know, We're very fortunate in the group that we have a lot of people that help us with those things. But in essence, you do have to look and say, okay, how's it going to happen and what's it going to cost? And that's been my experience working with agents is going, okay, let's not think about the next three months. It needs to be 12. You're not actually going to get cut through and be a recognized agent in your area unless you're consistent with it over the whole year. 
and look and see what do you actually feel comfortable doing. I don't personally like door knocking, but I'm okay with cold calling, letterbox dropping. So I've obviously put my plan around that. But there are so many lead fields. You know, I wear my polo to the local netball club where my daughters play. I sponsor them. I chat to people. You know, I used to have this perception at the beginning of real estate, you know, it was all about being in the office and punching out calls. Well, no, I can generate business by being out in the street and just having a friendly conversation and being recognized as a nice person. So really take this next two weeks, if you can, to sit down, think about what you want to do next year. If you're not investing in yourself, we're asking sellers to invest in marketing for their homes. And if you're not doing it yourself, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to have great success. I believe you should be investing 10% of what you want to write for the next year. So at a million bucks, you should be putting in $100,000 to invest in yourself. It's 1.8, 180 grand. You really do need to make an effort to get your name out there. That's great advice. Actually looking at the numbers there and Joel, you were very numbers driven back then and you're still numbers driven, which is incredible. And I hope everyone's been writing down really fast what you've been saying, because it's like, I think, you know, you just kind of laid down a bit of a blueprint for somebody new in sales in the last 30 minutes, which is incredible. Thank you. It is really simple. And that's what I've learned, just working with team members behind the scenes. And obviously, I'm now back in front of the scenes. And it is a really simple industry. But I do recommend because sales agents like us, unfortunately, aren't as organized as some of my team members like Jared's got with Caitlin. So if you don't write these things down, you don't plan, you don't share it with your team, it's difficult to get to that destination. You yeah. can't execute it because not everyone's been on the same page if you just win. Yeah. So there's one last story that I'd like to talk about. So we're back to the beginning again. One last headline on this, which is collective success. And I can see that, you know, well, I, I do remember when I interviewed you guys the first time, you were very invested in each other's success, which was, I think it was one of the first times I'd seen a group so tight. I mean, Jared, it's nice that you're letting some other people in the group win some awards now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I hate running second. I hate it. I don't like it. <laughs> and that's the thing. Joel's extraordinarily competitive as well. So having been off the tools for so long, he's going to be on that podium again. So it helps drive us. It helps drive each other. We're both extraordinarily competitive. There's a lot of competitive people within our organization, but they're all really good people that are happy to help each other succeed as well. So it's none of this cutting each other down. It's like, okay, let's go together and let's go and crush it together. So that's what I love about it. Yeah. Well, that's actually where I was going with this is if we were to sort of talk collective success again now, again, I think you guys were sort of one of the first that I'd actually looked at because I think I'd been through a phase where I'd interviewed a bunch of principals who were still selling principals and kind of still competing with people that they worked with. But, you know, in the agent's agency, it just felt like it was more family and that everyone was, I mean, it was EVU group back then, but it did feel like visiting the family when I came to visit EVU. And I know that this has evolved again, particularly in Queensland. So now, Joel, you're back on the tools, but there's 22 offices. How do you guys sort of ensure each other's success up here? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because I think that if you come from different backgrounds, I've noticed this with agents that have joined us from other franchises and they unfortunately haven't had the culture that I was very fortunate to be a part of. I've learned if you're good at what you do, you're always going to be busy. And I've also learned that if you collaborate with people, the public actually really enjoy that. If you speak positively about your competitors or you include them in the conversation, you have he or she is a really nice person, you're in great hands there. It goes away from being the usual real estate sale to... I think this person's actually really genuine and it's giving me some reasonable advice. So 
I think when it comes to team members in Queensland, I just encourage them. It's always what the client wants, always. So if the client genuinely connects with you and they want you, just be upfront with the other agent that that was the selection they made. But if they want the other person, accept that. Jared and I competed and someone would choose Jared and then someone would choose me. And then sometimes they'd say, listen, we'd like both of you. Is there any chance you could work together? And of course we did. So don't, um, I wouldn't recommend going in trying to pitch against the person. You're putting forward how you can help them and then understand the decision and respect the decision that they make. But it's very simple. I've heard people say many times before, great agents don't get upset with that loss listing because they've got others to go on with. So, you know, if you're just holding on to that one, you're going to resent your teammate or competitor. If you go, okay, that vendor made that decision, I accept it, it hurts. But, you know, that's what they wanted and we'll move forward. It's about emotional intelligence and having the emotional intelligence and the resilience to just go, okay, I missed out on that business, but what did I do that I could have done better? It's an opportunity to learn. And that's how I've always looked at it. If I get beaten to something, yeah, don't go around kicking the cat and kicking the bin. Just learn from it and maybe you weren't compelling enough. And that's where we were really good because we would compete against each other, but you couldn't can the other agents. So you just had to be better. You just had to improve. You had to get really good at honing in on your craft and focusing in on what the client needed and wanted and just provide the solution for that as best as possible or better than someone else potentially could. Yeah, you just got to have an abundance mentality, guys. I just cannot encourage you enough to not think scarcity, think big, think that there's more opportunity out there, collaborate with your teammates or your competition because if you have that mentality, I just find more opportunity comes your way. I really do. I was just thinking about something you said too, Joel, when you were talking about your databases that you've really honed in on the people that you like to work with, the properties that you like to sell and things like that. And I guess that sort of matches up a little bit there with what Jared's saying too, in that some people will choose Jared, some people will choose Joel, but ultimately if everybody wins, the rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. And your people will find you too. You'll resonate with the right sort of people. Not all business is good business. It's not good for you and it's not good for them. You know, it sounds like a hippie, but the universe type kind of takes care of it. If you're true to yourself, you're true to your values, the right sort of people will be attracted to you. Yeah, I believe that too. Absolutely. Well, it's been amazing catching up with you two. And we've just figured that really you guys could have written this whole, maybe not the property management bits, but I mean, look, if we've got another half hour, we could go through them. But all 96 pages there just covered in half an hour by Jared Carmen and Joel Hood. So I wanted to say thank you very much for coming back and sharing your wisdom. It's been awesome to catch up with you and wonderful that you're making such an impact up here as well, Joel. If there was one thing that you'd like to leave everyone with or one piece of advice for the new year, what would it be? And I'll start with Jared. Age before beauty. Take care of yourself and your health firstly, and then you can take care of other people. Good advice. And Joel? Yeah, give yourself a proper break because I am seeing people still running and I just reckon you're going to get to late Jan, early Feb and burnout. But use this. This is the time to build your roadmap. My success came from the planning and I couldn't plan when I was still in work mode. I needed to detach, see the family, get excited about the new year and then pen the paper just gets so much easier. So please, please, please have a proper break and plan properly for 2023. Yeah. Amazing advice. Jared Carmen, Joel Hood, thank you so much. Thanks, sir. Thanks, Sam. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate Podcast with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.